Welcome to another episode of the Bandage Podcast, a weekly wrap-up of the most trending healthcare news. Each week, we'll discuss the latest in healthcare, health IT, and compliance. In this week's episode, we discuss American health literacy problems, new research into pollution affecting the health of children, and strikes at West Coast hospitals. Let's wrap things up. This is episode 107 for the week of October 18th. I'm Matt Moneypenny. And I'm Kaylee. Before we get started, our diagnosis code of the week is Z59.4, or lack of adequate food and safe drinking water. So, Kaylee, I don't know if you knew this, but World Food Day is October 16th every year. So this is a very appropriate diagnosis code for, uh, you know, this month, I guess, you know, it's October 16th, but it could be this whole month. Why not? Let's commemorate the date of the founding of the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization in 1945. That's the purpose of it. Thoughts? Well, I mean, it's really important to bring to light that there's a lot of food insecurity around the world. And, you know, a lot of organizations try their best to solve this problem. And I think we should really bring more attention to this issue, especially since it's not something that we're concerned about in the current economy and environment that we live in. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Very appropriate. Very appropriate. Anyways, let's get into the news. First up, we have lacking literacy with two L's. Wow, very fancy. The American Health Information Management Association, or AHIMA Foundation, released the results of a new survey uncovering widespread confusion among Americans when it comes to their health information. The survey found that three in four Americans do not leave their doctor's office on a positive note for reasons that include disappointment in the level of Q&A they have with their doctor, confusion about their health, and a need to do more research. This lack of understanding is shared by most Americans, with nearly two in three respondents admitting they are not extremely confident in their understanding of the health information they discuss with their doctor. 52% of respondents reported that they rarely access their medical records to review their health information. In fact, one in four Americans don't know where to go to access their medical and health information at all. Researchers show that low health literacy is correlated with increased emergency room visits, hospital stays, and higher mortality rates. So I would say that this makes sense. Um, you know, personally, I don't think I've ever looked at my medical records before. And no, I have no idea how to even begin to find my medical records. I just figure they just exist in the abyss that is American healthcare. No, I'll say it once and I'll say it again. This is why I don't go to doctors. <laughs> I'll say it again. This is why I don't go to the doctors. No, you should go to the doctors. Maybe you don't go to doctors because you have low health literacy because you don't understand what they're saying. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, personally, it has to be it because I leave there and I don't know what I'm diagnosed (laughs) with. I don't, I don't know who my doctor is. I don't. Who are you? I just go through the motions. I just go through the motions. And I feel like if I had, I come in, I leave. (laughs) If I had better literacy and, you know, knowing my health information, maybe I would go more. If they explained it a little bit better, maybe I would go back. To be honest though, I mean, it does, it, you know, the experience isn't that great. You show up, you sign in, you sit down in the lobby, you get called back. They like put you on the scale. And then you feel bad about your weight. Exactly. And then you sit in your room and then they come in and check your vitals. Well, you're sitting in there for like 20 minutes. Your yeah, appointment right. was at like 8. They're yeah, there at right. like 
Yeah. So it's now like you've been there for 45 minutes and then you have the appointment with the doctor and it lasts like 10 minutes and they like check your vitals and you don't even know what good vital rates are. Like, I mean, they, they'll tell you if it's good or not or if it's bad, but they're not going to be like, Hey, no, I completely based off of their scenario. face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If they have a good facial expression, then I'm like, okay, maybe I'm okay. If they don't do anything at all, I think I am dying. If they go, ooh, <laughs> under Which their breath, they've, you know it's they've been doing more recently, so I don't <laughs> know what that means. So yeah, I mean, as U.S. patients ourselves, this study was important, and um, it does make sense. So. A Stanford-led study of 21 million residents of DACA, Bangladesh, reveals a link between tiny airborne particles and child health in South Asia. The region is plagued with air pollution and more than 40% of global pneumonia cases. The analysis published in Environmental Pollution estimates the effect of increased particulate on child pneumonia hospitalizations is about twice as much as previously thought and indicates a particular industry may play an outsized role in the problem. The findings could help public health officials and policymakers better target emissions reduction programs to improve child health. So while you were reading that story, I did some research on DACA and what their actual pollution rate is because, you know, I don't, I didn't even know where that was, to be honest with you. I'm not very good with geography. It's in, it's in Bangladesh. Well, yeah, I knew that part, but where in Bangladesh? <laughs> Sorry. Ohio's in the United States, but where is it in the United States? No, I, I get what you're putting down. So uh, they are put, based on the scale, they uh, are put in the unhealthy bracket of air quality, which is bad. And among the sources of particulate matter in Dhaka, the large metropolis that serves as the capital city of Bangladesh, there we go, road dust, textile and dyeing businesses, tanneries, chemical and cement factories, and brick kilns emerge as the most polluting offenders. Whoa. So that's all bad. I mean, you know, those are all things that I feel like if there weren't any kind of government regulations on, it could lead to some serious pneumonia, pro pneumonia problems, not only for children, which is what this study is about, but also for just people in general. So... Yeah, that's very interesting. And it's not just, it sounds like it's a particular industry. So I wonder which one that is and why they're not putting in checks. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I it's, it, when you look at like pollution in India and in China, it's like out of control and it feels like, you know, I'm not trying to put the two countries on blast, but I'm just saying it just feels like no matter what we do on our side of the United States, the, the global warming crisis isn't going to stop anytime soon because of lax government pollution regulation across the globe. Hey, I mean, we're not great either. That's true. We're also not perfect. So there's that. Next up, threatening strikes. More than 24,000 nurses and other healthcare workers at Kaiser Permanente in California and Oregon have overwhelmingly authorized a strike threatening to walk out over pay and working conditions strained by the coronavirus pandemic. Kaiser, one of the nation's largest healthcare providers, has proposed a two-tiered wage and benefit system that would give newer employees lower pay and fewer health protections. The unions want Kaiser to abandon that plan. They also want 4% raises for each of the next three years and a commitment to hire more nurses to relieve staffing shortages. Kaiser has offered 1% a year with additional lump sums and says it must reduce labor costs to remain competitive. 
The regional strike vote comes amid national contract negotiations between Kaiser and the Alliance of Healthcare Unions, which represents more than 20 unions covering more than 50,000 Kaiser workers nationwide. More strike authorizations could come in Colorado, Georgia, Hawaii, Maryland, Virginia, Washington State, and the District of Columbia, the union said. Whoa. I mean, so, hey, if you don't hey, treat your workers right, they're going to walk out. Gonna that's strike. true. Not only is there a global pandemic still occurring where people need healthcare workers to tend to them, there's also the crisis of healthcare workers not having enough of them across the nation because it's such a hard industry to get into. And then on top of that, because they have to work so hard due to the pandemic, they're like, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. I can't, I can't keep doing this for my own health. So it's like a three pronged disaster, I guess. There's the pandemic. Yeah. We need them, but they're already understaffed and then they're there's a pandemic. So they need to work really hard <laughs> and it's and never then ending. They, and then my friend was telling me he was applying for med school mm -hmm. and you know, they're accepting the same amount of students. So it's still highly competitive to get in there. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not extending that by any means. So the same amount of people are going into med school and graduating at the same time, but we need more people, but you know, colleges don't want to, mess with their admissions rates. So, you right. know, it's a very vicious cycle. Yep. So it's something that's going to be happening for a long time. I don't think it's ever going to really stop anytime soon. Like, I don't think we can predict, I don't think anybody can predict accurately when this shortage of healthcare workers is going to stop. Because then on top of that too, everything else, you have the baby boomer generation getting older. And as people get older, they need more healthcare uh, attention, usually. Mm -hmm. So... And they're a huge, one of the biggest generations ever. So that's even worse. So it's, it's, a, it's kind of a grim time. I know. Just do, do your part, everyone, whatever that means to you. Just stay healthy. Just no one Thank go to the doc. Just kidding. Go to the doctor. <laughs> Let's get on to our next segment. B-R-E-A-C-H. Breach Patrol. It's a breach. All of the latest cybersecurity breaches. Welcome to Breach Patrol. We talk about the latest breaches all across the world. Haley, what's the first one we got? We're going to do a fertility clinic breach. Quest Diagnostics has informed the SEC about a ransomware attack in August that hit Reprosource, a fertility clinic owned by the company. The ransomware attack led to a data breach, exposing a significant amount of health and financial information for about 350,000 patients. In a statement to news outlets, the company provided notice that it experienced a data security incident in which an unauthorized party may have accessed or acquired the protected health information and personally identifiable information of some patients. Quest added that ReproSource began sending out breach notification letters to victims on September 24th. They are providing victims with free credit and identity monitoring services from Kroll, but did not say how long these services would last. So this is actually the second breach that uh, Quest Diagnostics has had within two years. Their first breach was in 2019, and then they've got this one, which is a related breach from one of their uh, owned clinics. So uh, struggling with their cybersecurity. Um, you know, when when you are a healthcare organization, you have a target on your back, um, no matter what kind of size you are. And unfortunately, if you're one of the biggest organizations within the healthcare space, you have a bigger target on your back because you have more sensitive records and especially with ransomware because people can, you know, get more money out of you if you have, if they get more, 
if they lock up more of your data as an organization because you have so much data and it's super sensitive data, they can make a lot more money off of you than, you know, a mom and pop small healthcare practice that only serves around 200 people. You know, they'll, they'll still get money either way. But one is if they're successful, they'll get millions and millions of dollars. And the other one, they'll just get like a million dollars, which is, you know, still a lot of money. But just to put that into perspective, crazy stuff, you know, it's quite unfortunate. People are just out here trying to have cute little babies and then mm -hmm. they're just coming in here and stealing their data. They're just, yeah, I know. That's, that's, uh, the last, one of the last places you probably think that you're going to lose your personal or protected health information. But yeah, this is not a small breach by any means. I mean, 350,000 patients affected financial and health information. So it's a double whammy. You lose your protected health information. And then on top of that, you lose your financial information. So your credit score could be affected. And then also your healthcare records are exposed. So. Bad news. Um, obviously they're starting to work on the remediation steps, which is providing victims with free credit and identity monitoring services, which is nice, um, mm -hmm. overall, but you know, unlucky. Yeah. It's quite unfortunate. Next up, keep your eyes open. Oregon eye specialist has disclosed a data breach related to unauthorized activity on internal email accounts. The company said the exposed data included customers' names, and one or more of the following, dates, dates of service, medical record numbers, financial account information, and health insurance provider names and or policy numbers. After the organization identified unusual activity in an email account on August 10th, 2021, the eye care provider said it reset account passwords and implemented additional security measures to further protect information. Although the organization has no evidence to suggest actual or attempted misuse of information as a result of this incident, they are notifying potentially impacted individuals. Oregon Eye Specialist is giving potential victims access to credit monitoring and identity protection services and has urged them to monitor credit reports, financial account statements, and explanation of benefit forms for suspicious activity. Yikes. So it looks like this is someone just got authorized, unauthorized activity into an email account. So maybe this was a compromised password or maybe it was uh, an organization or a, a, one of their employees didn't update one of their uh, softwares that they use on a daily basis. Either way, um, you can see how if you don't have specific protections in place for your access control within your organization or your password management among your employees, how it could end up costing you a lot of money. And this is going to cost organ eye specialists a lot of money at the end of the day because, you know, it is a HIPAA breach. And on top of that, it's just uh, a, a breach. So they lose they lose uh, credibility because people like us are covering it. Um, and then they also have to pay fines um, that are given out by the HHS. So mm. not good. And then they also probably have to pay the credit monitoring service to provide it to all of their uh, people that were affected. So exactly. a lot of a lot of costs associated with what's going on here. It's quite unfortunate. I mean, usually people don't take my advice, but I mean, hey. Change your passwords. Make them complicated. Don't use the same passwords. Simple things. Right. Simple things go a long way. Exactly. Don't cost your company millions. I don't know how much they're going to pay, but probably along those lines. It's going to be a lot. I mean, it's gonna it be, might it's not gonna be, be millions, but it, it, it's going to be well, a significant Well, you know, I like to be dramatic, so it's going to cost them millions. True. I'll take away the last little 
Take it reach. Away. Twitch suffered a huge data leak late last week with more than 100 gigabytes of data reportedly taken from 6,000 internal Twitch GitHub repositories. The Amazon-owned gaming, eSport, and music streaming platform confirmed the leak in a company blog, saying that the data was exposed to the internet through an error in which a Twitch server configuration change that was subsequently accessed by a malicious third party. The company is continuing its investigation and has said it doesn't appear that login credentials have been exposed, nor full credit card numbers, which are not stored by Twitch. Those have also not been exposed. So Twitch is a massive organization that's also owned by Amazon. If you don't know what it is, I mean, you can watch people play video games, among other things, but mostly video games and esports, like the story says. Um, this was a really big data breach. I mean, it was huge. Um, it got a lot of headlines all across the entire world, uh, because it is a global organization. And, um, it even like, it even exposed payouts by the content creators that use the platform and rely on it. So, um, yeah, people, people got some personal information stolen or taken out there. And it was, it was scary times. So, um, it's, I don't really necessarily know how that happened, but it's, I mean, it was bad news for sure. So I don't know what the next steps are going to be either. I don't know how, if Twitch is going to have to, you know, pay fines or anything like that. Probably not, but something's got to give, but it just goes to show you that it doesn't matter how big of an organization you are or if you're a big organization, what kind of niche you serve, you've got cybersecurity threats lurking. Yeah. I mean, on the upside, it looks like no financial credentials were exposed or logging credentials. So I'm wondering exactly what was taken. It's very interesting. And a malicious third party. That third party, man. So malicious. And that's it for this week's wrap-up of your weekly healthcare news. I'm Matt Moneypenny. And I'm Kaylee McDermott. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Bandage Podcast produced by eTactics.